0: Turn with me this morning to John chapter 8. Last week we studied the story of Jesus uh, dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes as they brought an adulterous woman into his presence in the temple in front of all of the people and tried to trap him in his words, tried to trick him into saying something that they could then uh, blame him for. As we move on from that story, um, John, the, the author of John, right, returns to this theme that Jesus had been preaching numerous times that we've seen throughout the earlier chapters in the book. And it's the claim that Jesus makes to be the Messiah. So Jesus is very clearly claiming to be the Messiah, and remember John's whole goal with this book is that he's writing everything down so that we would believe and that believing we would have life in his name. Now, we haven't gotten to that point in the book where he says that's why he's writing, but we see this theme of belief over and over and over again in the book. And so so as John John comes out of this story of the adulterous woman, once again the scribes and the Pharisees are at the center of the... uh, The story of what's going on, and the reason is because the scribes and the Pharisees are sort of the epitome of unbelief at that time. We see discussion of the crowds and those who believed and then those who didn't believe, and we see discussion of what kinds of belief different people had. Um, But here, John returns to that Theme of Jesus' claim that he's the Messiah, the Son of God, and the benefits that he promises to those who believe in him. And this time, the benefit is uh, the benefit of not walking in darkness. And of course, the flip side of that is what? The benefit of walking in the light. And so, we're going to look at both sides of that. You know, you can't separate them from each other. Either you've got light or you've got dark. And as soon as you receive the benefit of not walking in the darkness, that means you've also received the benefit of walking in the light, right? Please stand as we read God's word from John chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 12 through 20. John 8, 12 through 20. Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who testifies about myself. And the Father who sent me testifies about me. So they were saying to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. So if we believe in Jesus, or follow him, as he says it in this passage, right? Then we will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So we read right there in the beginning of our passage in verse 12. So what does not walking in the darkness mean? mean? Well, it's a beautiful thing to have light, isn't it? How many of you kids have ever been walking in the dark and tripped over something? Have you guys ever done that? I've done that several times, right? The benefit of light is that you can see where you're going. Not walking in the darkness means, first of all, being able to see. But there's there's something more to it than that, okay? Because being able to see, the thing that we realize is that the light comes from outside of us, doesn't it? This is not some sort of a description of, Uh, a superhero power where you can see in the dark without light, right? You are not able to see on your own in the darkness. I don't know if there is such a superhero. I mean, I know that like x-ray vision kind of things are superhero powers, but... um, Surely somebody out there, one of, one of these millions of superheroes that we've created, right, can can do something like just see with infrared vision in the dark, right? Well, of course, even infrared vision, though, is what? Seeing something with light that's x the light is still external to you. If you don't understand that, I can explain it to you afterwards. But the point is, the light comes from outside of us. Now, why is that such a big deal? Why do I I repeat that? Well, because what I want you to see is that Jesus' claim is that he is the light of the world, the light, the only light. This is not something where uh, we're all filled with some sort of supernatural power. We're not all filled with some sort of um, innate uh, knowledge that flows from the life force of the universe, okay? This is something that comes from outside of us, from Jesus Christ, and he is the one who gives us the light to know what we're doing to see where we are going and so the the implication of this is you know you it's it's very hard to talk about darkness about not being in the darkness without immediately talking about what it means to be in the light right because you really can't separate the two things. The two concepts go hand in hand. But not being in the darkness means that some external force has been brought to bear in your life so that now you are able to see your surroundings. Now, of course, what we're not talking about here is the kind of darkness that lets you trip over the stool in the middle of the night when you're trying to get, find the bathroom, right? What we're talking about here is the kind of darkness that is a spiritual darkness, an ignorance, a lack of knowledge, a lack of sight of what we are, of what we are doing, of where we are going in our life. And so, not walking in darkness means much more specifically in this case, no longer walking in sin. It is only by the light of Jesus Christ that we are able to see our own Failings as they truly are, our own sins as they actually appear in God's eyes. It's only by the light of Jesus Christ that we can compare the darkness in our hearts with the purity of God himself. Because Jesus is God, and so when he shines light into our life, The darkness is pierced. And you see what's inside you for for what it really is. And so the, the, the light is not just piercing to our surroundings so that we can avoid tripping over stools, right? The light is piercing into us. Walking in darkness is exactly what we don't want to do. Walking in darkness means living in our sins ignorantly. And this is why uh, Paul speaks of the necessity of somebody going and telling them, those who are in darkness, right? Who who will go if they're not sent? So so in, in Romans, Paul speaks about the necessity of us being shown, being told about who? About Jesus. About this light. And as we're told about this light, the light itself is what's shining into our life. But the What Jesus makes clear here is that you don't actually receive the light, you don't actually stop walking in darkness just when Jesus has been declared to you. The only way you actually receive the light, the only way you actually stop walking in the darkness is if you follow him, because he is the light. And so The choice that's set before us, the the thing that John is trying to make clear here is just because you've seen Jesus doesn't mean that you're in the light. All of these Pharisees and all of the crowds, everybody there had seen Jesus. They had seen the works that he had done. They had heard his message. They had seen the miracles that God attested through him, right? And yet many of them did not follow him, and therefore they were still walking in darkness. They were still lost in their sin. So when we see the kind of light that's piercing that comes at our hearts. There's two ways that we can respond. Either we can respond by running towards that light and saying, yes, shine the light on me. Or we can flee from that light back into the darkness so that it doesn't reveal us as we truly are. But if we do the latter there is no hope for us. We will remain in the darkness. And so this is why why I want us to really think about what it means to walk in the darkness so that we can see the benefit of not walking in the darkness. Walking in the darkness means you will never have victory over your sin. That's walking in darkness. There's no hope of defeating our sin on our own. You may put an end to a particular sin in your life by strength of will. Right? There are sometimes people who can just decide to stop doing something like smoking. Smoking's addictive, right? And I don't hold that up as this great sin. I just mean that there is the rare person who can just simply say, I'm done with that, and stop doing it. And we can do this, sometimes, some of us, with some sins, right? You know what? I'm done eating four donuts every time there's a donut box, right? And then just stop. Just like that. More power to you, right? Good. Do that. It's good for you. Stop. But, but there's no hope in that. There's no hope in your strength, of your own power. The only hope that we have is if we stop walking in darkness. The only hope that we have is if we begin to follow Jesus. And so walking in darkness means that there's no hope for us. If you have ever been in a cave, spelunking, uh, not inside like Mammoth Cave where they've run electricity down four miles in and you can you know, just flip the light switch and everything's bright, but inside some cave where there are no lights except for what you bring in with you, all right? What you know, well, at least hopefully what you know is, you should never go in there with only one light source. And the reason you should never go into a cave with only one light source is because if you drop that flashlight down into a crack, or it breaks, or the batteries run out, or what? I mean, how, how many things can go wrong when you're holding a flashlight? I'll, I'll tell you, there's an awful lot of things that can go wrong when you're holding You could trip and smash it, right? There, there's so many things, and, and if that light goes out and you're down in the middle of a cave, what hope is there? of you getting out. You can't see. If you'd bring your hand in front of your face, you don't see it. You you feel the heat from your hand before you see it because you see it never. And so what you need is an external light to show you where you are why so that you can get out of the darkness out of that cave that's where we start we start trapped in the cave except the, that implies that we're alive and what we actually know is that we start out dead in our trespasses dead in the darkness and so When Jesus calls himself the light, we think back to the earlier passages where where he's making claims about who he is. And we remember also that he says that he is the bread of life. Right? And so it's through him that we receive life. It's through him that we receive light. It's through him that we receive hope. And the darkness that we are trapped in is the darkness of our own sin. It's the darkness of worshiping other things besides God. It's the darkness of doing your best to work your way to a good reputation in God's eyes. Because we all know that there is a God. We all know that there's a standard of righteousness. We have been given by God's common grace a knowledge within ourselves of right and wrong. We have been given within ourselves a knowledge that there is a God. And that he expects things of us. And yet, without Jesus Christ, we're trapped. We're trapped trying to make it on our own. And it's impossible because we have no light apart from Jesus Christ. And this, of course, is where Jesus goes when we we read that he's the light of the world and we think back to where he's talking about light and being the bread of life. And then you move forward and no no longer will you walk in the darkness, but you will have the light of life. So it's not just in the past that we see him talking about himself giving us life, but it's here, this is the light of life. So what does it mean for us to have that light? Well, it means that we have Jesus, because he is the light. So if we follow Jesus, we will have Jesus. Now, that sounds kind of, what, I don't know, obvious? If you follow Jesus, you'll have Jesus. Um, It's the kind of thing that... uh, is easy to repeat, right? But that needs to be filled with meaning in our minds before it actually affects us in any way. (laughs) If you follow Jesus, you will have Jesus because he is the light of life. So what does it mean to have Jesus? Well skip forward in the passage and Jesus talks about not says that they don't know where he came from or where he is going and what he's what he's saying to them is that they can't find their way to where he is going to be without following him there does that make sense they can't find their way there because without following him, they're in the darkness. And so, Jesus is, Jesus is holding up heaven. And yet, it's veiled from their eyes. They don't know where he is going. So, kids, you know, you've probably had your dad or your mom say to you, hop in the car, let's go. And and you say, where are we going? Right? Have you guys ever asked that? Where are we going? And if your parents are anything like me, sometimes the answer is you'll see. Just wait You'll see. And you want to know where you're going, right? But you're also excited. Excited to find out where you're going. And so to to the followers of Jesus, when he says that he's going somewhere and that we will always have him, this is a wonderful promise that we will have the light of life. It's a good thing. It's not like uh, we're expecting our parents to take us to a dungeon and lock us up. Right? When they say, come on, let's go. Hop in the car. And you're thinking, okay, what are we doing? You know, Tate's going to think, are we going to get donuts? <laughs> <laughs> are we going to go to Holiday World? Or are we going to go to Kings Island? Where are we going to go? And maybe it's just the post office. I'm like, ah, man, you tricked me. But no, Jesus is laying in front of the crowds the two choices, being left in the darkness, permanently trapped there, or always having light and being able to go where he is. Being able to go where he is going in spite of the fact that On our own, we don't know where it is. We don't know how to get there. We don't know anything about it. Well, what else does having Jesus as our light mean? Well, it means receiving eternal life because this is the light of life. And so Jesus is promising life to all of those who would follow Him. He is making an astounding claim. But in order to receive it, you have to follow Him. Part of following Him, of course, means no longer being in the darkness. And what what do we remember about the darkness? Well, the first thing that we remember about the darkness is that it's filled with and caused by our own sin. And so walking in the light is going to mean what? Leaving behind our sin and living righteous lives. Now, there's an important distinction that needs to be made here, okay? Following Jesus... Means receiving eternal life. You've got this on one side, following Jesus, and oh, I guess I should do it the other direction for you guys, right? Okay. All the way over here, you've got being in the darkness and then following Jesus, and ultimately the result of that being eternal life, right? But then I, in the middle, insert this thing saying that you are not following Jesus unless you are putting your sin to death. In the middle we see that being in the darkness is being in sin, and being in the light means being righteous, right? And immediately what we want to do is say, so I have to be righteous to receive eternal life. That's what you're saying. And I say, no, yes, no, No, let me explain, (laughs) right? Because what I want you to see, and the reason I put this sort of in a timeline for you is because it's following Jesus that allows us to put our sin to death. It's following Jesus that brings us out of the darkness into the light. Being in the light, having the light of life, does mean living holy lives. Absolutely, there's no avoiding that. If we are living in darkness still, then we have not followed Jesus. And so yes, absolutely, obedience is necessary for eternal life. But the reason it's necessary is because it comes in between following Jesus and receiving that eternal life. Having Jesus as our light means living according to his commands. Now, this is the good news. Okay, this is the gospel right here. And Jesus proclaims the gospel in many different ways throughout, especially the book of John. All right? And then we see Peter proclaiming the good news. And then we see Paul proclaiming the good news. And we see uh, Stephen. And we see Philip. And we see all of these sermons throughout the, the rest of the New Testament. And then we see the, the letters of Paul. And you've got the good news explained so many different ways, but always it includes sin, the darkness, walking in darkness, light, holiness, righteousness, and life being the other option, and the absolute adamant, Declaration that the only way to move from one to the other, from darkness to light, from sin to righteousness, from death to life, is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way by which man can be made right with God aside from Jesus Christ. And ultimately, the way that We are made right with him is because Jesus Christ dies and pays the penalty that our sins deserve. Jesus takes the darkness of us on himself and away from us as he fills us with his life, with his light. And yet, the response here in our passage from the Pharisees is not belief. The response of the Pharisees is not to turn in repentance and follow Jesus. The response of the Pharisees is you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Now, why do they say that? Well, Turn back for a second to John chapter five, and you'll see that this statement that they make there is a very smug statement. John five thirty one, Jesus is speaking, and he says, "If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true." Okay. And so, he's talking, and he says, I am the light of the world. You know, we're three chapters later, totally different time, and yet the Pharisees remember what he has said, don't they? He says, I am the light of the world, and they go, aha, (laughs) we've been waiting. We thought of this one a couple weeks ago. We've been waiting to pull this one out. Here you are making claims about yourself. Remember when you said... If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true, so they just throw it back in his face. You're testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not true according to your own words, Jesus. You're a liar, aren't you? Well, this is anything but following Jesus, right? He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. And what do we see the Pharisees doing? They're walking in darkness. They're intent on it. Jesus is speaking to them of spiritual things, but they have set their minds on earthly things. Now, when Jesus said in John 5.31, if I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true, what did he mean? What he meant was, if what I said wasn't true, then it wouldn't be true. (laughs) In other words, uh, his claims that he's making about himself and about the world and about the people that are listening. He he makes all kinds of declarations. And what he's saying is that he's not simply making this stuff up and stating it. He does not simply Testify about himself. His works testify about him. John testifies about John the Baptist, who is sent ahead of him, testifies about him. The creation testifies about him. God testifies about him. And so the truth of what he's saying is not left for them simply to believe what he says with no other evidence, with no indication that what he says is actually true. If what he claimed was not attested to by his works, was not proved by his works, was not proved by the prophets, was not proved by John, then of course his testimony wouldn't be true because he would be making junk up. (laughs) What he's saying is there is proof. And so when they throw this back in his face and they say, you're testifying about yourself, your testimony is not true, Jesus' response explains exactly why they're wrong. When he says, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I am not judging anyone. So why does he say, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true? He says, he gives the reason right there, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. In other words, what he is doing is he is setting up himself, with the truth that he knows, right, against them and the falsehood that they know or the lack of knowledge that they have. And so he's saying the reason that my testimony is true, even if I testify about myself, is because it is objective. It comes out of where I am from and where I am going. It is true because I have knowledge and you have darkness. I have light. I am light and you are in the dark. You don't know the things about which I am making claims. And so, get this, all right? What he is saying is. that they don't know what he's talking about, and therefore they should shut up and listen to him. That's what he's saying. They don't have any idea who he is or where he's from or where he's going, and therefore they need to listen so that they can receive the benefit of being in the light. So let's so so I just want to I just want to talk about this testifying about myself thing one more time. Here's what's going on. If on the one hand, you've got six people sitting in a room, all right? And in that room somehow somebody ends up with a black eye. Okay? When you've got six people that were all in the room, and five of them say, Johnny punched June. That's how she got a black eye. All right? And Johnny says, no, uh, the fan, the fan fell off the ceiling and, and hit her, and that's, that's how June got a black eye. All right? That's what Jesus is talking about when he says, if I testified about myself, if my my testimony was the only thing that claimed that, and everything else was against that, all of the other witnesses and, and everybody else, right, and my life and the prophets, if everything else said nothing about this, then my testimony would be untrue. Just like Johnny's lie. Five other people, all of the evidence, the fan's still on the ceiling, right? But if, on the other hand, there's only one person in a room. Are you tracking? All right. There's only one person in a room. and they step outside of that room and they tell everybody what just happened in that room. The people who weren't in that room need to listen to him, right? They need to listen to him. And that's why he's saying, if, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is true because I'm the only one who knows. I am the light of life. Did you not just hear me? I know where I come from. I know where I am going. But you don't know. And that's just as important in this Because you don't know anything about me, listen when I tell you who I am. Now, this is the same kind of response that you're going to get from people today when you speak about Jesus. Okay? This is exactly the same kind of uh, objection that you're going to receive. When when you say, my life was changed by submitting myself to Jesus Christ and following Him, I am no longer a slave to my sins. I am no longer stuck walking in the darkness. I have been set free. I now live in the light. I now have eternal life. And those who are in the darkness look at you and they say, prove it. Or they say, well, I believe that you have been changed in some way, right? But how am I to know that it's not, like Ebenezer Scrooge says, you know, some some piece of bad meat that you ate, last night that's changed you or like my professor of classics who said about Paul on the road to Damascus well clearly something happened on the road to Damascus that changed him right and one of the students raised his hand and gave some stupid explanation about uh, you know about epilepsy I think And seizures and and the kinds of things that people see and hear when they're having seizures and whatnot. And he responded very wisely and without any faith when he said, yes, but they don't typically wake up and have their entire world and life view changed and become exactly the opposite from what they were. Right. So he admits that something major changed in Paul, something has happened, and the world cannot deny that you have been changed, that you have been set free, that you have joy, that your hope is abundant. If you're living in the light of life, if you have that light of life, there's no denying that something major has happened, right? And yet what they want to do is the same thing that the Pharisees do here. What they want to do is they want to say, you know, well, I mean, I guess you've just got, more, you've just got stronger willpower than me. And this is the kind of thing that they're saying when people look at you and they say, well, I just don't know how you do it. I just, I... I just don't know how you do it, having three kids, having four kids. I mean, it's just, you must have a lot of, and what are they doing? Right there. Whatever they, you fill in the blank right there. You must have a lot of, they're saying to you, you changed yourself. You had the power within yourself to do this. It didn't come from God. And so our only response can be, No, I don't have a lot of patience. No, I don't have a lot of faith. No, I don't have a lot of... No, God. God changed me. That's what happened. And he can change you too. And so the Pharisees, they look at Jesus and they say, you testify about yourself. Your testimony isn't true. And people look at you and they say, well, you know, God could have given me a message if he wanted me to repent. And they're adamant that there there be some sort of external testimony that God can't speak for himself, that God has to speak the way that they want him to speak. And this is what the Pharisees are doing. God has sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into the world to reveal Himself in the flesh. And the Pharisees are standing in His presence, having seen His miracles, having heard His words, and they say, prove it. And this is exactly what people say to you. They say, God needs to prove it. And what you say is exactly what Jesus said here. My testimony is true. I know where I came from and where I am going. Now, of course, you're saying it in a different way than Jesus is, right? (laughs) If you say those words. Because what you're saying is, I know where I came from. I came out of darkness. And I know where I am going. I am going to heaven. And Jesus was saying, I know where I came from. I came from heaven. And I'm going to death. And then I'm going to heaven. So yeah, we're we're saying something a little bit different. Pretty much exactly the opposite, in fact. Except for the end result is exactly the same. What the core of what we're saying is the same thing. We're saying Jesus is the light of life. And we have our light. And we have our life. And it comes from him, not from within ourselves, not from some sort of uh, uber power that we were given from our genetics or from our good breeding or from our parents' discipline or from however it is that people want to ascribe to you the power that's within yourself. And so Jesus continues by telling them that they judge according to the flesh. That's what it looks like when we reject this promise of life. It's us judging according to the flesh. As Jesus continues on, he says, I am not judging anyone. Now I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but what a bizarre statement, right? I am not judging anyone. Well, what he means is, I, I haven't been saying anything about you guys. All I've been saying is, here I am. I am the light of life. I haven't been condemning you in front of the people. I haven't been, I haven't been judging anyone. I have simply been saying, here I am. This is what I am. And then he continues, he says, But even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone in it, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. I am he who witnesses about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. In other words, what he does is he says, remember what I was just saying, this is all about me. I'm not talking about you guys. Look at me. I testify about myself, yes, and my testimony is true. But even if it wasn't me test, even if, even if, uh, what does he say? Oh, even in your law, it has been written that the testimony of two men is true. So I testify about myself, and the Father who sent me testifies about me. Now this is where the where the final insult comes in. They say, "Where is your Father?" Now, you'll get that question from people when you're speaking to them about Jesus. When you're speaking to them about how you have been changed, they'll say, well, where is this God? Where is your father? In this unbelieving way, the same way that they are asking this in an unbelieving way, right? They're asking for proof. Okay, fine. If you want to say that there's testimony from two people, you and your father, then bring your father out. And let him testify. But that's not all that they're doing here. They are also making an accusation against Jesus, claiming that he's a bastard. Think back to Mary and Joseph, right? Mary got pregnant before she was married. We know what you are. Where is your father? And so they are attacking him further, refusing to believe, refusing to follow him, mocking him. And so when Jesus answers, His answer is, you know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. And that's it. Then it says, these words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. This is, they, they don't have any idea what he's just said about them. But now he has made a judgment about them, hasn't he? He has judged them and said, you do not know me and you do not know my Father. And because he has been speaking spiritually and he has been speaking about God the Father and they have been rejecting that and speaking fleshly and judging fleshly, they don't even understand how damning that statement from Jesus is. Because what he is saying is, you have no idea who God is. You don't know God. You know nothing about him. If you knew me, you would know him. If you knew him, you would know me. We are one in the same. You're godless. That's what he's saying to them. You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. They don't believe in him. They're walking in darkness. They are sinning in their mocking of Jesus. They're completely without light. They're blind to the way of God. That's what Jesus is saying. Think about that. We started talking about light and dark this whole time, right? And you get to the end, and what he says to them is, you don't know me. What did he start by saying? He started by saying, I am the light. He ends by saying, you don't know me. The implication is, you have no light. You have no light. It's sad, isn't it? It ought to make us sad. That professor that I mentioned before, I wrote him an email years later and reminded him of that event in the classroom where he said, you know, people don't just have their entire life changed and become a different person after uh, an epileptic seizure. Right, And <clears throat> I, I told him, I said, you know, the only explanation, the only possible explanation for these changed lives is Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ changed him. Jesus Christ shone his light Down on Paul on that road. And his response to me is there's truth and there's Christianity. And they're about as far apart as Islam and truth. What has he done? He has rejected the light, he has refused to have the light in his life. And therefore, what can I say about him besides he is still in the darkness? As wise as he is, as learned as he is, he is judging according to the flesh. And, And what a sad state. For him to be in. What a sad thing for me to say, that he does not know my father, but it's true. And there's not much more to say at that point, is there? You can go back and you can try again, Jesus doesn't give up here. Right? He keeps preaching. He preaches all the way up to the end. And some, by God's grace, believe, as we will see. Remember Nicodemus back in chapter 3. What a joyful story the life of Nicodemus really is because He comes to Jesus in the darkness with no light. And after Jesus' death, what do we see? We see he has the light. His life has been changed. So don't give up on your friends, but judge According to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Judging according to the flesh is saying, well, I know he means well. No, he doesn't mean well. He's in the darkness. He doesn't know God. Until we say that, until we can can declare that honestly and with compassion and love, we will never proclaim again that Jesus is the light. The world, and that the only way to eternal life is through him. So go, speak these things without fear, without shame. Don't be afraid. You are in the light. What kind of an advantage is that? When everybody else that you're talking to is completely in the dark and you are in the light, you can speak with confidence, my friends. You can speak with confidence. Let's pray.